What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on a Tuesday night after the Clippers come back and beat the Houston Rockets. Yep, that's what's kind of got to at this point is the Clippers have come back and beaten the Rockets. Hey, a win is a win. And who better to chat about that game than my co-host Matt Mattawarren back with me on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend? I am I'm doing okay. I'm a little uh a little nervous, a little mm-hmm. little verklempt. I'm actually uh let me start by saying Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, how the heck are you? I missed you. But I've been listening to Brandon um, you know, doing his doing doing his great work on these podcasts over these past couple weeks and the tension, the fear is building and I'm feeling it. Yes, indeed. And we have not had you on in about a week and a half or two weeks or so. And since then, I had Shane Young on to talk about the panic meter and where we are with Kawhi. And we talked about how, okay, if he hasn't played in these next couple games, then that panic level goes up. I was already at about six and a half, seven. Shane was at like a three. And he said that will go up if Kawhi hasn't played. So we're going to start there. Um, and then we'll go to yesterday's game and the comeback win. But I want to get your take on the Kawhi situation. Now the panic meter is back out, but we've got a lot more information now than we did before. And we now know that Kawhi is going to miss a couple more games at minimum. He's already been declared out for tomorrow's game at Houston. Your panic meter level is what right now on a scale of 1 to 10? You can do this in two different sections if you want. First, panic meter of just Kawhi Leonard in general. And second, of the Clippers right now where they are. So my panic my panic meter for Kawhi was... I was at a solid 7 um, this past weekend. Kind of, kind of where you were at, uh, six and a half, seven. But I assumed he'd be coming back shortly. Now that we know that he won't be even traveling on the road trip, and Ty Lue said in his presser, uh, the doctors said it wasn't wise for him to fly to travel on the road trip. That doesn't sound great. I'm hearing the word setback being bandied about a lot. We don't know if that's true, but uh, we can only we can only guess at this point. So. Where I would be out of 10, Brandon, I'm telling you, I'm in spinal tap mode right now. This one just got turned up to 11, and I'll give you an extra reason why. All the mystery, all the drama surrounding it, and I, I, did, I did the unthinkable. I actually traded for Kawhi in fantasy oh, no. uh, yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> so there's a little extra, little extra uh, weight on my back on this one here, so to speak. Why did you do that to yourself? I'm a sucker for for pain, I guess. Uh, you know, being a Clippers fan all these years, you learn to just just take it. What'd you give up? Um, <laughs> but I do, I I do have some reserve hope in me, some something that tells me he'll be back at some point this season. And if he is, you know, it might be a boon. I didn't trade that much for him, so. What'd you give up? I traded uh, Mr. Wendell Wendell Carter Jr. Oh. And Trey Jones from the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, wow. That's all it took? That's all it took. Wow. Okay. So I don't, I don't blame you now. I don't blame you at all. Um, it's a very low risk, high reward move. Now, here's my issue now, because obviously I'm, I'm about an eight now. Um, and the only thing that's not making this go to a 10 is that there are reports coming out that Kawhi is frustrated. Um, that he's not playing more. 
And so here's my real big concern that made it go from a 7 to 8. First of all, the fact that he's not playing is the obvious reason. Second of all, this is this feels like it's not the first time that Kawhi and the Clippers doctors may or may not be on the same page. It's possible they are, but the report's coming out, and I know Law mentioned something um, in a tweet that, you know what, they may not be, I mean, Kawhi's a little frustrated, but I think I don't think that's at the Clippers per se. I think it's just that he's frustrated he can't be out there and playing. And the issue is now, Matt, is that we had this whole come into the game halfway through the second quarter. He was only going to play about 20 minutes. Now, that's going to start all over again when he comes back, whenever that might be. And how long is that going to last? That's my question. And then does he stay healthy enough to get to the point where he's in the starting lineup? So that's my biggest concern and why I'm kind of actually going on, now that I'm talking about it, more towards an eight and a half, close to an eight and a half, nine, is that this is going to take a little while to ramp up. And I mentioned to you before, I'm not the most patient individual, and it feels like we're really going to need patience with this team. And they got the win yesterday. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where we're excited after they beat Houston as an eight and a half point favorite. And this team is not getting any more chemistry when they don't know their roles because Kawhi Leonard's going to be a part of the picture, you would assume. So that's my concern, man, is that it feels like we're just going to start right back from square one. You know what I mean? I I agree. And I, I like what you said there too, at the beginning of that. And um, I'll talk about everything, but the fact that he's, you think he's frustrated, um, at not playing and not and he's not frustrated at the team doctors or the team itself. Let's hope that's the case because we've we've seen similar scenarios in in San Antonio where Kawhi and the doctors didn't necessarily see eye to eye. So we we don't want any kind of situation like that. And as far as the chemistry and the cohesion is concerned, I mean we've there's been so much difficulty with that so far just in these this first stretch of games uh, that's led to some some devastating and quite frankly, embarrassing losses that I I do believe starting from square one when eventually Kawhi comes back. And you're right, they're not he's not just going to come in and play 32 minutes, you know, in the starting lineup and and, and just have a full allotment of, of time on the floor. It's going yeah. to have to do it again. There's going to there there are bound to be back to backs. There's going to be sit days. So just to get get a cohesive unit with with the chemistry that you desperately need in order to not only have a successful regular season, uh, which is now in question, but to go as far, uh, to go all the way, which is what we're, what we're trying to do here. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It, listen, I think the frustrating part about this, and I'm sure you would agree with this, is we came into this season with such high expectations and the fact that, okay, PG is healthy, Kawhi is healthy, we're ready to go, and we can't even make it more than two games before Kawhi sits, and we can't make it more than three games before then in the fourth game, Kawhi doesn't play, and now is experiencing knee soreness. And I understand soreness after a surgery, but this is not normal. It's not normal to sit out like this, and I understand the Clippers are going to play the long game here, and Law Murray of The Athletic, who does great work, did mention that Marcus Morris experienced some soreness last year, 
and they sat him out for about 30 days, I believe, and he hasn't experienced any issues since. So they're hoping that taking that approach will end up resulting in very similar situation where Kawhi doesn't experience soreness after that. But it just feels like this guy's cursed, man. It, it really does feel like this guy is cursed, and I just don't know how the Clippers are going to fit him in and what it's going to mean for the team in the meantime. I think that's the biggest cause for concern right now, Matt, is that you're waiting and waiting and waiting and have no idea when Kawhi is going to come back. And in the meantime, you're trying to get everybody on the same page and win some games, which is really hard to do. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I initially at the at the beginning of the season when 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 Kawhi started resting and then we knew it was going to be and then it, it elongated and elongated, I was I was worried about as as from a fan's perspective, I was first worried about fan fatigue, right? Like how how much because like you said, it's going to take a lot of patience this season and how much can we as Clippers fans just sort of sit idly by and wait and wait with all the expectations that we came into the season with, with what we know this team could be if and when they get healthy. But now you got to worry about player fatigue too. And I don't just mean getting tired, although that's bound to happen through the rigors of a, of a season, but just the constant switching of, of starting rotations of minutes uh, is is Kawhi going to play? Is he not? Uh, John Wall sitting back-to-backs, which makes sense, of course. But people in and out of positions and lineups and rotations and the constant questions uh, and just yeah, trying to win ball games all, along the way is going to be... I, I worry that... You know, I hope not, but I worry the players, they might they might just end up... Some, of them might, some people might just get sick of it. Yeah, and I wouldn't blame them trying to sit around and wait for Kawhi, and then once Kawhi comes back, you got to put him into the mix and try and figure out how that's going to work. It just seems difficult. It seems difficult, and it's frustrating as both a fan, and I'm sure as the team in general. They're frustrated that they came into the season with such high expectations and hoping everyone health have everyone healthy, and that hasn't been the case. And it's been one thing after another, and after the last podcast, right afterwards, it was announced that Kawhi was going to miss the next couple of games. But also what was announced is that Robert Covington is in health and safety protocols. So it, it's one thing after another now, Matt, where you have Kawhi, you had PG who got sick. Marcus Morris had a family matter that he dealt with for a couple of games and he missed. And now it's Robert Covington. So all these guys that you're relying on as those glue guys, because we talked about the Clippers depth and how important that is. And the depth is just not there when you have three to four guys missing each game, and it's really difficult, you know, Matt, to try and make that work. It is, and it's impossible to establish roles uh, as the season goes along when every single day the role is different, the starting lineup is different, the minutes are different. I mean, who knows? You know, Reg- Reggie uh, Jackson played 30 minutes last game. He'll, he might play 18 in, in, the, in the next one when John Wall comes back. Uh, Powell now off the bench, Kennard in the starting lineup for 34 minutes. I mean, I understand tinkering, but this is tinkering by, by necessity by Ty Lue because so many guys are out and it's just, it's, there's no fluidity. There's no, or there is fluidity. Actually, everything is just moving and moving and moving. And uh, it seems like it's going to be really hard to get a, a constant and then to get sort of a, you know, just to have defined roles when your your main guy is not there and then the other pieces are in and out. Uh, all the time as well. So it's going to be very, very difficult. 
So I guess we're going to have to wait and see um, what the deal is with Kawhi and when he does come back. And frankly, no one has any idea when that's going to be. It could be as soon as Sunday the 6th against Utah in the first game of a back-to-back. Or we could be waiting a couple more weeks. Um, but the only thing that I think is giving me some hope is that there haven't been any leaks that have come out about him being out for an extended period of time. And the way the Clippers have had some stuff leak recently, you would think maybe that would have been the case. That if he was going to be out for an extended period, even a couple of weeks, you would think that would have come out. So perhaps it really is game to game and they're seeing how he feels. That That's my only hope. Um, am I crazy there or no? Not crazy. In fact, you just gave me a little bit of hope. I'm dialing it back from the 11 to a 10 and a half, which is <laughs> still in spinal tap territory. But yeah, you're right. With all the leaks that have been coming out uh, recently about the point guard stuff and every uh, all the other stuff, we, we probably would have heard something at this point if it was going to be a, a, an extended period of time. So let's just hope. Let's hope we see him Sunday, basically. Yeah. You're listening to the Sports Ethos Podcast, the Sports Ethos Clippers Podcast. Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus, Matt Matawarren at Matt Matawarren on Twitter, of course, at Ethos Clippers on Twitter as well. Let's talk about yesterday's game. The Clippers win 95-93. It certainly looked like they were going to lose, but Paul George... I don't understand what's with this guy. Um, I know he was sick, and so that's probably part of it. He was incredible in the game against Sacramento where he was just unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, the Clippers lose four in a row. He was gone for a couple of them, came back, and he was just not good in the games at OKC and then versus New Orleans. But he was tremendous yesterday. I mean, in that win, a guy scores 35 points. And remember, he scored 40 against Sacramento. So in the two wins, two of the three wins, he's got a 35-point game and a 40-point game. It was great to see him actually become that guy and now you just got to hope Matt that he realizes that he is that number one and that Kawhi is nowhere to be seen even when Kawhi does come back he's only gonna play 20 minutes per game so perhaps this carries over I think that tomorrow's game is very important for Paul George if he doesn't become aggressive at the start like he did yesterday then it's going to give me some cause for concern but I think Perhaps Kawhi has found his footing. You watched the game, I'm assuming. What did you think? I loved what I saw from Paul yesterday, and you're right. It it, it was bad in, in the previous games. And I'm, yes, he was under the weather. But, you know, I got to give my friend Adam credit. He he was talking about John, Paul, George, and Bingo uh, when, when we were getting very excited about the uh, about the clips happening here. And, and George played like, like the rock star. He played like the Beatle he is. You know it's odd though. This this has this has to be a typo. <laughs> I actually brought up the box score from the game. Did he only take one free throw? Yeah, and he was zero for one, and that one I yeah. think was a clear path foul. Wow, that that is. Yeah. I did watch the game, but I that kind of slipped by me. That's really surprising. Um, but and, he took charge. Yeah, he um, he was dancing. He was he was doing his, his slither moves, his fallbacks. Uh, the the threes the threes were going in five out of ten on those. You have to love it. He looked great, and I think he has found his footing. You know, he had that he had that um, press conference where he said he has to take responsibility, and I, I think he's going to live up and do it. So I was I was super encouraged by his performance. Not entirely enthused with the performance in all. Like as you said, I was 
under the assumption that they were going to lose up until those final moments. It just it just looked like it. It looked looked like Houston had our number. Yeah, it's going to be an EG revenge game. So I was worried, but I did I did like what I saw from Paul. Yeah, once the again, rest of the, the rest of the guys, uh, Zoo, I like I like what I saw from Zoo, but the rest of the guys, eh, I don't know. That's exactly what I was going to say. When I started saying once again, I was going to say once again, Zoo becomes reliable, and he's that guy, 16 points, 12 rebounds, 4 block shots, and he's averaging, I think, over 3 blocks per game right now. He's been unbelievable defensively and just rebounding the basketball, 11 defensive rebounds, and that's huge. Um, he was very good. Obviously, Paul was incredible. I think one of the most important things for Paul George I don't think he had a turnover in the first half. He ended up with three, but he took care of the basketball. He didn't commit those stupid passes that he does across the court and those lazy passes that end resulting in turnovers. And it did end up being a costly turnover when Kevin Porter Jr. got the steal and the score late in the game. But he took care of the basketball for the most part. And also, he was great defensively. Six steals and two blocks shows you what he did on that side of the ball. And a damn near triple-double. I mean, you go 35-9-8, and eight, that means you're having an impact on the game. And we mentioned before the season that he was a great rebounder. And here he is, nine rebounds, all of them on the defensive glass. So he was making sure that he was helping out Zoo because this team needs to rebound the basketball. I mean, they apart from Zoo, they're not that big compared to some other teams. And so you need to have your guards and your forwards rebound. And that's exactly what he did. Now, I do want to talk about something interesting, and uh, both Adam Osland, at follow Adam A on Twitter, who does the Clippers pre-halftime uh, and post-game show, and then Justin Russo, at Night on Twitter. Justin's a very good follow, and he came today with a good stat. In Tyron Lue's first two years with the Clippers, the team made 39% of their three-point attempts. He said it was not only by far the highest mark in the league, but it was the same gap as from 2nd to 15th in three-point percentage during that time. This season, the Clippers are shooting 30.4%. So they've gone from 39% to 30.5%. They're 28th in the NBA right now. Now, remember, Matt, this has been a fantastic three-point shooting team over the years, and they've got guys left and right, whether it was Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Paul George, Marcus Morris, Nick, Nico Batum, Norman Powell. I mean, they had a bunch of snipers, and they're just not shooting the ball very well. So going into last night, Clippers were shooting 31.5% on threes. Last season, the Clippers were shooting 32.5% on threes through their first six games and sport an identical 2-4 and four record as they did this season. So... I'll give some more numbers in a little bit, but what's your take when I give those numbers? It's scary. It's I thought Halloween was over, but I'm frightened all over again because I'll I'll run down some numbers for you since I since I have this box score pulled up. So we said Paul George five of ten from three point range last night. And this is something that the Clippers that we hang our hat on. We are a three point team of historic proportions. Marcus Morris one of seven. Reggie Jackson zero of six. Uh, the Nard Dog, Luke Kennard, he had 10 rebounds, but he was 2 of 6 from three-point line. Batum, 0 of 2. Norman Powell, 1 of 5. That's not great. Uh, it is it is frightening uh, for a team that that is supposed to swing the ball around as much as we do and just hit those threes and hit those bingos from beyond the arc. If we're not doing that and we're not and, and we're not getting boards and we're turning the ball over, that is not a recipe for success. It scares me to no end. Yeah, and so with the three ball, 
And I'll continue on with a couple more interesting stats that have to go with the three. So last season, the Clippers had 13 games, so the three-point percentage under 30%. So 13 of 82, they were under 30%. They've already had three in their first seven games this season. So if you go and you do the math and you do it really quickly in your head, you say 11, 7 times 11 is 77. 3 times 11 is 33. So that will be 33 games this year that if they keep on this pace as opposed to 13 last year, the three-point percentage under 30%. So right now... They're just not making their threes. I mean, last year they led the NBA in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage, 41%. No other team in the NBA hit 40% over those two seasons. The Clippers so far are at 30.5%. That's 29th in the NBA. So part of this is that they're just not making shots, Matt. And it feels like that's going to change because Luke Kennard, great three-point shooter. Marcus Morris, great three-point shooter. Paul George, very good three-point shooter. Same can be said for Batum and Powell. It feels like the Clippers just aren't making shots right now, and that's part of the issue. Of course, we can talk about the turnovers and how that's been a problem and just sloppiness, but perhaps this is going to just figure itself out because the Clippers will start making shots. Is it that simple, Matt? I hope it's that simple. Uh, I mean, the law of averages, and I got I got to thank you for doing the math in your head so I didn't have to because I was busting out a calculator and abacus <laughs> and the paper. I wasn't going to be able to do it. I'm happy you did. You're welcome. Thank you. But yeah, it has to get better than what it's been. I mean, just given given the careers of and what we know of these players, the shots are are going to start to fall. the The problem is if the the, the shots may fall, but if we're given, then I know you meant you said the turnovers are one thing, but it's a big thing if we're giving the other team plenty of opportunities and they're playing at pace and we're we're not be, we're not able to catch up with that pace, which was the case a, a lot of the times with the Rockets last night, with both games against the Thunder. Yes, those shots will fall, but that is one piece of the puzzle. But unfortunately, and I wish it could, I don't think it could be that simple. Yeah. By the way, Adam with some great stats at Follow Adam A. The Clippers right now shooting twenty nine percent of open threes. That means the defenders within four to six feet. Last year they shot thirty eight percent on open threes. So twenty nine oh versus thirty eight. This year, they're shooting just 36% on wide-open threes when the defender's six-plus feet away. Last year, they were at 43%, so 36% to 43%. So their average, they're just way down on their average, and it's things are going to change. You just have to hope things are going to change. I mean, Marcus Morris last night, like you said, one of seven. Reggie Jackson, 0 of six. Reggie Jackson's been terrible to start this season. He just has not been that guy, and I think he needs Kawhi back. I think... Of any player on this roster, it feels like Reggie Jackson needs Kawhi back just because it helps spread the floor, less pressure on him. For some reason, I think Reggie Jackson feels like without Kawhi and with just PG and with no Marcus Morris a couple games, it felt like he probably thought he needed to be that guy that was the scorer and the offense for the team. But you get Marcus Morris back in the picture. It's definitely part of it. But you get Kawhi back as well. And then I think there'll be less pressure on him and he can just be that guy that spots up and hits those threes. I'm hoping that is what is the change for Reggie. Cause I mean, Reggie just hasn't been good, Matt. He hasn't. Um, and you know, he has, he's had to be that guy in the past when, when people were out, but it's not, it's not the role that he's meant to play night in night out. He can have those hot nights and we've seen him have them before, but yeah, if he can, if he can try to, if he can pull it back a bit and yes, like let, it, when Kawhi comes back and let George and let uh, Senior 
take the heavy load and, and he can do his thing. I, th- I think he'll be fine. I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think Reggie is the kind of guy who just, just because if John Wall is quote unquote nipping at his heels, starting this, starting that, I don't, I don't I hope. And I don't think that that's going to get in his head. I think it's just a matter of shaking off the rest, catching rhythm and getting our guys back and getting like, I've, I'll say it again, you know, take, take a shot of ginger ale every time I say it, but the cohesion, once we get that going, I think he'll uh, he'll come around. Marcus Morris shooting 33% from three, and he was over 40%, I believe, last year. Luke Kennard, so far from three this season, is at 44%. That's about where you would think he would be. Reggie Jackson from three is at 26%, which is just not good enough. And then mm. Norm Powell from three is even worse at 22.5%. And he's a career 38% three-point shooter. So once Powell and Jackson start going back to their norm and same with Mook, the the Clippers will start winning games. I mean, the shots are going to go in. That's definitely part of it. And we started this podcast talking about Kawhi and how brutal it's been not having him and our worry. But there is some light at the end of the tunnel knowing that the Clippers just aren't shooting very well right now. And traditionally, they've been a very good three-point shooting team. And Ty Lue is a very good coach, and they're getting those looks, and so they're just not hitting them right now. So that's certainly part of it right now for the Clippers is they're just not making shots. And they've been great defensively, Matt. I mean, right now, they're fifth in defense. And, I mean, Adam had another great stat. When you look at player shooting uh, or within six feet of the basket, when less than six feet of the basket, when guarded by Zoo, they're shooting just 32%. Whether they're within less than six feet of the basket when guarded by Zoo. Okay? Compare that to Embiid. You know what Embiid's number is? Defensive field goal percentage within less than six feet? I'd love to know. 74%. Ooh. And Zoo's 32%. Gobert, 54%. Jared Allen, 53.5%. Capella, 51%. Draymond, 43.5%. Steven Adams, 61.5%. Jokic, 60%. Aiden, 62%. So Zoo has just been the man so far this season. And we've talked about this podcast the last several weeks that after Kawhi and PG, I, I really think Zoo is the most important clipper on this roster. And without Zoo... I'm not even sure they have three wins right now. I mean, he has been so important to what they're doing. And I mean, that he needs to stay healthy because the Clippers don't have a backup center. And this season really might ride on Zoo's health along with Kawhi's, which is crazy to think. Um, when you looked, when you come into this, I don't know, a couple of years ago, who would have thought that Zoo would be the number three guy on this team? But that's where it is right now. I wouldn't have guessed it. And he, I don't know, I don't know of a, of a more underrated center in the league, um, especially what he's done this year so far. You're right. I mean, even just watching the games and looking at him in the paint. I mean, he's everywhere. He's yeah. Uh, his his feet are moving. His, his his feet are moving great. He'll close. He 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 closed out on a three. I can't remember. It was with Jalen Green. Somebody uh, he closed out on a three, and it was a fantastic closeout. They ended up making it, but um, and his arms are everywhere. He's just putting those big arms up and blocking everything um i'm loving zoo this year and yeah he's gotta he's gotta stay healthy um in order for the clippers to succeed yeah it's crazy that we're we're at that point now where it's the clippers are so thin in the front court that they're relying on zoo but that's where we're are where we are right now so pg hopefully is back and we'll, we'll learn a lot more in that game tomorrow but with pg 
We'll see how the Clippers play in general because they, I think, may have gotten hit at the side of the head in that game against Houston and got a little bit of a wake-up call that after that game against New Orleans, they said things need to change. And hopefully that's that's what happened here uh, against Houston. And we'll mm-hmm. see if it does again at Houston and then at San Antonio. Two games that the Clippers have no excuse and they have absolutely no excuse. You need to win both those games. And you come home and you face Utah, who has started off well, but another team that you have no excuse. I mean, you are better than Utah. So the Clippers should win three games in a row. And hopefully this is the start of a winning streak here um, where you can possibly string some wins together and maybe win four or five. Because you and I talked, Matt, and we said after 12 games, we want the Clippers to be eight and four. And that would mean going and winning the next five in a row. Houston, San Antonio, Utah, Cleveland, and the Lakers before that game against Brooklyn. And it's certainly possible, man. It really is possible in the next five in a row. But I could also see them losing three of the next five. It's it's difficult right now because you don't know what you're going to get from this team. It's difficult, but I'm with you. I was thinking about this earlier today. And I, I was thinking, I would, for some reason, I was just thinking about Paul George, you know, hugging his parents after the game as, as he does. And when his, his post-game interview, when he said his candy was, was going to be cough drops and there was a, there was an elation. There was a, a light about him that I think hopefully will permeate and galvanize the team now. Yeah. Now that, now that we've had this win and you're right, maybe it was just a smack upside the head that we needed to, to look, look, we, yes, we have our gun. Are we are going to have Kawhi at some point in this season? But as for right now, we got to get win, wins ourselves guys. And we're going to go ahead and do this on a series of games that are I know it's early but these are must wins these these next few games coming up Houston San Antonio Utah Lakers Brooklyn whoever whatever it is you know we got to get these games um, and get on the right side of 500 and well beyond that yeah there were a couple points last night where Paul George sat and the Clippers just didn't have any offense whatsoever I mean the Clippers won by two and PG was plus 16 in that game. So the Clippers were outscored by 14 with PG on the bench. And I really think they missed Robert Covington yesterday because they were really bad defensively when both Zoo and PG sat. And Rocco is solid defensively. And we talk about the length of the Clippers and how long they are and how everyone can switch. Talk about Marcus Morris. You talk about PG, Kawhi, Batum, Rocco. And you need several of those guys on the floor at the same time for that to work. And so when you don't have Kawhi and you don't have Rocco and PG sitting, then your length is useless because you have guys sitting on the bench or just not available. And with Rocco, I think that changes things a little bit. I think the defense would have been better. You can play with Rocco as that five. And he and Batum, I think, would have been a lot better together than what we're seeing um, on the bench or from the team that is playing when PG is on the bench. So hopefully Rocco gets back soon because I think he's a part of, of this big solution as well. Oh yeah, there's they're so switchable too when Rocco and Batum have it going and they can just, I mean, yeah, they could just, anybody can guard anybody at that point and um, get their arms in lanes, close out, you know, get guys as they're cutting. They can switch on anything, and it and it'll, it'll 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 solve a lot. It'll be great once everyone's healthy, and um, yeah, it's, it's and finding finding more offense is going to be uh, is going to be a little tough now that now that you mention it. How 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 poor everybody else was. What we talked about our our guy Norm a little bit earlier. You mentioned him 
what do, what do you make of his season so far? It hasn't been exactly, I know, what what we were all hoping. Is he he found his footing in one or two games? But is this is is it a minutes is it a minutes thing? Is it confidence? Is it just a, like we were saying, his shots aren't falling? What's what's going on with Norm? I think it's not being sure of his role. I don't think he knows what he needs to be doing. Is he the complimentary guy? Is he the main scorer? Is he starting? Is he coming off the bench? I mean, so far, Powell's been yanked around and it hasn't been great. So I think that's definitely part of the issue. I mean, you look at his field goal percentage right now and he's at 37.7. Matt, he hasn't shot lower than 44.3 since the 17-18 season. So he is way below what we're used to seeing. Three-point percentage is 22%. The last couple of years, 54% with the Clippers, 40.5% with Portland last year. The year before that, 36% with Portland. The year before that, with, with Toronto, 44%. So he's way below at three-point percentage, even free-throw percentage. Right now, he's shooting 64.7 from the line. Last year, he shot 86% with the Clippers. The year before that, he was at 88% with Portland. So he's a very good three-point shooter. He's just not shooting well at all. And his turnovers, he's at 2.6 per game. He hasn't been over 1.6 since the 2020-2021 season. So you say that 10 times with Toronto. So he's just turning the basketball over. He's not making shots. It's just one of those things that I think is going to end up balancing out in favor of the Clippers. Um, and Norm Powell will get going at some point. I just think it's he's unsure of his role and what he needs to do. Wow, the the those numbers are kind of staggering especially the free throw numbers but yeah. I didn't realize that it had taken that much of a dip so you know something is a little off mm-hmm. uh when the when the free throws for for someone who shot 86 88 you know darn near 90% from the line is is in the 60s that's that's got to turn around and and I have to agree with you it's it's just it's the it's the the role the yanking around of the role and that's that goes back to the player fatigue um just mentally and you know, just not knowing from a night-to-night basis exactly what the role and what the minutes are going to be. So it'll be, it'll be something to watch and something that I'm fairly confident will, hopefully, <laughs> I'm, I'm confident that it'll hopefully turn around. <laughs> yeah, first game of the season, four of seven from the line. Next game, two for two, zero for zero, one for two, one for two, one for two, two for two. Too many one for twos there, um, and obviously the first game didn't help with four for seven. So I think that'll just balance itself out. And uh, positive regression is what they say. And it feels like that's what's going to happen with both his threes and his free throw percentage and his general field goal percentage as well. So that's those are my thoughts on Norm Powell. Anything else you want to discuss before we uh, close up shop here? I just have to I just have to say and maybe maybe this will maybe this will like like Paul George's um, essence of positivity and joy last night galvanized the team. Maybe this can galvanize us, Sports Ethos Clipper Nation. I actually am recording right now in the apartment, in the bedroom I grew up in. I just had dinner with my mom. I'm sitting in the exact room. I used to tape Clippers games on VHS and watch. Well, I would listen on the radio. I'd watch the VHS if they won. I wouldn't watch it if they lost. I'd erase it. Hmm. I'm sitting in that room right now, and I'm getting a feeling... That we are turning this thing around. It's Ooh. early yet. Kawhi's going to come back. It's going to be a great season, just like we had hoped. Let's go. Love the positivity. 
Matt Matta Warren. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Matta Warren. I'm at BD Marcus at Ethos Clippers as well. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe. Give us a five star review. Would be outstanding and much appreciated. Hope you've been enjoying these podcasts. We'll be back again. Ideally, I know I always give these dates and I never stick with them and I apologize for that. But ideally, um, Saturday is when we'll try and get a new one out to you. Uh, before that game against Utah on Sunday night, uh, before that doubleheader. So that's what we'll aim for, whether it'll be me, whether it'll be Matt, we'll see. Um, Whether it'll be me and Matt, who knows? So stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. The Clippers hopefully are going to see PG turn into that 1A guy and be that top 10 player in the NBA that we know he can be. And hopefully that means Norm Powell comes around as well. Matt, all we can say is let's go clips right let's go clips until next time he's matt i'm brandon let's go clips